Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. Here we are again on another one of our field trips, and we are in Kirtland. We were here last month, you remember, in the old sawmill when everybody was first, <laughs> the old sawmill, <laughs> when everybody was getting here for the, for the very first time. Um, by the time you get to these sections that we're in right now, this is a bustling city, and it's moving, and, and things are, are really happening. And the most exciting stuff is really happening just with the development of, of the saints and who they're becoming. You'll see um, right behind us is the Newell K. Whitney store. Um, this is, you remember right when they came to Kirtland and Joseph met Newell K. Whitney, thou art the man. And he's like, I'm sorry, I don't know you. And he says, you prayed me here. So what do you want? <laughs> and that's his store. And Joseph and Emma will actually live uh, in the upstairs of, of that store um, for a while. And it sort of becomes the headquarters of the church especially in this time period right now. So yesterday, and by yesterday, I mean last week, we were, <laughs> we were talking about section 88 and we, and we left off the end sort of on purpose because we wanted you to see where something called the School of the Prophets um, was organized there in section 88. Um, this School of the Prophets had um, a purpose. And it's in section 88. So before we start 89, we want to start back in 88 at um, verse 67. Um, they are told, um, that's a lie. I don't want to start in 67. Start I want to start in 68. Mm -hmm. um, 68 and kind of 70 together. First, this has come up before, so I'll just say it again. He says, tarry, tarry in this place and call a solemn assembly. That the Lord wants them to have this, pull this solemn assembly all together. And in order to prepare for that, they're going to organize the school of the prophets. But you want to always remember this was the purpose of the school of the prophets. 68, to sanctify yourselves that your eyes can be, oh, I'm sorry, your eyes also, um, that your minds become single to God. Oh, no wonder it's your eyes single to the glory of God. I was like, <laughs> why would I have ever said I when I saw mind? And the days will come, you will see him. For he will unveil his face unto you, and it shall be in his own time, in his own way, according to his own will. The purpose of the school of the prophets was to sanctify this group of people enough to be able to enter into the presence of God. Um, the history of this has roots in the Old Testament. It was called the sons of the prophets back then. And Moses, you remember, was trying to take that group of people up Mount Sinai to re-enter into the presence of of God, and that is what's being organized right here, is a group of people um, who will do that. Later on, the Relief Society will be a school of the prophetesses uh, with that same purpose of preparing the men and women to together enter into the presence of God. So, And you love that word, like uh, um, both of the things are for preparing, they're for um, helping to teach progression and increase um, that becoming, that sense of becoming, you just love that that is what was meant to be happening. Um, did you already say where it was? Yeah, yeah, right at here the on, the, of, on the second floor yeah. of this. So, so many amazing things happen. So if you go to the end of section 88, starting at about 119, this is sort of the instruction to the school of the prophets of what they'll be doing 
how to prepare themselves for the meetings, to appoint a teacher, um, organize no, yourselves, Let's talk about some all of those, those things, because yeah. they're fun. Uh, organize yourselves, you hear a lot in these sections. We're going to talk about that in detail at the uh, Kirtland Temple. Um, we love that part. But I love, the as they talk about um, having a teacher and making sure everyone's involved in the conversation or in the discussion, but let each person have a time to talk and to teach. You love the fact that they were all kind of growing together at the same time and learning together at the same time. We should say 121, where it just talks about cease from your light speeches and your laughter. Um, that was in context of the School of the Prophets. So I just want to make sure that's very clear, <laughs> that you're allowed to laugh at other times, but there are some things that you want to hold. Remember we talked about that, like how do you, oh, we haven't gotten there yet. There's a revelation about how you hold these sacred things and mm. make sure that, um, and this time there was a solemn and sacred purpose for it. And so you'll see some of this. 123, I love, look at that. See that you love one another, mm. right? And cease to be covetous. If you're going to be able to stand together in, in places of holiness together, you have to have no bad feelings toward any other person who's in there. And then the Spirit of the Lord can be poured out in places like that. You love this list that's 124 through 126 that is just the same things that we are constantly working on today. Cease to be idle, cease to be unclean, cease to find fault one with another. Um, don't sleep too long, go to bed early so you won't be weary, wake up early um, so that you will be invigorated. Why does that not work for you or me? We don't know. <laughs> But those of you who are good at that one, we are so proud of you for being good at that. Um, you love clothe yourselves with the bond of charity as with a mantle. I just, I love that. And you love these definitions of charity, um, which is the bond of perfectness and peace. And I love to change the word perfect to complete. So the, so the bond of completeness and peace have to do with charity. I love that he teaches that. Pray always. Um, all of those things. Where's the part you liked too about learning from the best books? Uh, that's coming. Okay. Yeah. So um, this is really fun. We thought this would be cool for you to just know that right away they're just going to start having these meetings at the School of the Prophets. And um, it says it here at the end. This is how you enter in to like oh, the school when you come in. This is my favorite part of like, the whole at thing. the doorway. Okay, you talk about it since you love it oh, so much. Oh, I love it yeah. so much. Like in my mind, I just want to see it play out so bad. It starts in um, 1.30. And this is the rules of when you, when you got up there. And this is the other thing. Again, nobody's in charge. He just says, whoever gets in there first in the house, behold, this is beautiful. Let him be an example. And he's going to offer himself in prayer upon his knees before God in token or remembrance of the everlasting covenant. So the first guy who walks in is just going to kneel down and offer a prayer in that moment. And then anyone who comes in afterward, he's going to arise and with uplifted hands to heaven, he's going to salute his brother or brethren, if two or three walk in at the time. These are the words that he says. And I don't know why, but I am in love with these words. Sometimes when I sit in an initiatory, I memorize this in my head because it's just so kind. He says this, Are you a, aren't thou a brother or brethren? I salute you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in token or remembrance of the everlasting covenant, in which covenant I receive you to fellowship. And then I love this part, in a determination that is fixed, immovable, and unchangeable to be your friend and brother through the grace of God in the bonds of love 
to walk in all the commandments of God blameless in thanksgiving forever and ever. Don't you feel like if you just memorized that whole thing, you would you would be so kind and so good and just you it's it's kind of welcome you want everyone to experience yeah, when they it, come in your life. It really is the depi- like the description of what a saint should be. Should be. be. And right? then and, wait, I got to say this part. The person had to say it back. Yeah. Did you know that happened? Or they said amen. I hate to ruin it for you. Okay, but you would say amen. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it back because I think the language is so beautiful. So who's waiting at the door then is like, oh, and are you a brother or brethren? <laughs> and then it just starts again. I salute you in the name of the Lord. And everyone behind Emily in line would be really wanting her to hurry up. Just like, oh, oh why didn't she just do the amen? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I loved it. It's really awesome. I wish more people would have just repeated it back because then you get the idea of like when we enter into classroom settings, when we serve with each other in families, like this is the intent, right? Like we're not going into the presence of God by ourselves together. Mm. Like we become sanctified together to enter into the presence of God. Like this was something that they were helping each other on. And so working on awesome the school of the prophets um p.s a little fact about the school of the prophets they restart it again um in salt lake and it eventually molds into the seminaries and institute program of the church so what started right here at the school of the prophets with the intention of preparing people um to re-enter into the presence of God and to build the cause of Zion mm. has now turned into what seminary and institute Okay, are. fun. So every time your kids walk in, can you just say <laughs> Do this? Do this salute yes. with all of them. <laughs> oh, they're way in the door. I'll be so happy. I just love this one line. To be your friend through the grace of God in the bonds of love. Oh, we should just think of that every morning when we get started. That's awesome. Okay, the reason we really wanted to save that for today, one, so you could see where it actually happened, but two, when you get into section 89, which a lot of people know is the section on the word of wisdom, we just want you to remember that this section is in context of the school of the prophets, that this revelation was given in context of a group of people trying to sanctify themselves and ready themselves to enter into the presence of God. This is a very... Many of you are noticing this is very, very temple language, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it was given in that, in that context. So um, section 89, they were meeting for the school of the prophets, um, like often, as often as they could. And while they were there, you know, you've heard this story before, that they were just smoking and spitting. And, and the room that they actually meet in, in the back, is right over the room where um, the kitchen would be, where Emma would be is uh, down in there working and the floorboards had cracks in them because they're just these old school houses and sometimes that tobacco spit would like like drop through <laughs> like and you can just imagine that it was uh, not only on their minds because kind of the talk of the day was about like giving up um, liquor and coffee and, and smoking that's kind of was like the general talk of the day but then also an impetus was like <laughs> Emma like having like, like <laughs> tobacco drip on her face or something while she's um, in and the she kitchen. she hated cleaning the room. We read that she hated cleaning the room after the school of the prophets. And it was so nice was that she over. even cleaned it. Because why didn't she not go up there and be like, you, <laughs> you spat <clean> <laughs> here. You're the one who's going who's well, to clean it for you. It did say keep your house in order. Like right before it was yeah. like, duh. So this section comes, you know, with all of those questions in mind. But... Um, 
Oh, uh, maybe we'll just fill this out right here because I think it's so important. Um, right underneath where we have where it says who and why. Um, this is from our friend Anthony Sweat, um, who taught us once that this is not so much a health code, but it is a holiness code. Um, God's not trying to create a healthy people. He is trying to prepare and sanctify a holy people. And so this idea, I want you to think about this idea of the word of wisdom in that kind of, of Especially context. Especially when you think about um, submission yes, and yes. energy and what is life-giving. It's just it's so interesting to think about why... Um, something that would be suggesting what sounds like health would actually make you holy. Yeah, it's a little bit more about um, self-restraint, mm -hmm. um, discipline. If someone says, why do you follow that health code? It's like, uh, it's a submission to my God yeah. is, is why it I really do it. It really is. It's not about living longer. It's, yeah. it's about creating an environment inside and out for an endowment of power Ooh, to enter his presence. That's so good. Um, but let's look at some yeah. of like the who and the who why and, why, and the promises we love in that here. Part so much. Um, so let's see. The who comes in verse three. three. Yeah. And it tells us it's given for a principle with promise, and that it's adapted to the capacity of the weak and the weakest of all saints who are or can be called saints. Um, which I love. I really love that idea of. It just, wherever you are, at whatever level, this is going to make you better. And it has been adapted to you at whatever level you are at. So that would be the who. It's all saints. Um, and the why is so interesting in verse 4. In consequence of the evils and designs which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men in the last days. I have warned you and forewarn you by giving you this word of wisdom by revelation. So that is the why. Um, it's because of the, um, the consequence of the evils and the designs that are going to happen in the last days. That's us. That's our time. Yeah. And what's been interesting is like in that day for sure, but then also in not just in health and, you know, like things that you put into your body, like, like eating and whatever, but, um, who was it? Was it President Oaks who connected this also to pornography? He's like, there are people in this world who through their own conspiring and evil will try to take advantage of you, try to bring you in, down into addiction um, for their own monetary gain. And he's which, like, this is a, a warning against. Which makes so much sense when you start thinking that Section 89 is really about a holiness code. Right. And um, that requires submission and self-control and being diligent and it really is a training up of the spirit to right. become a saint yeah. that's what's happening so you know a lot of the stuff in the middle we just want to skip to the end of the section and talk about the promises that come with this they come all the way down at the bottom in verses 18 through 21 and we've left you a box for that to just mm -hmm. consider these and let's just go over them um, real quick and then just open up the door for you thinking a lot more about them he says all saints who remember to keep and do these sayings um, walking in obedience to the commandments, shall receive health in their navel and marrow to their bones. Um, these aren't necessarily talking about um, your belly button and your bones, but this has like roots in the Old Testament of like your spiritual, mental, um, and physical core. Like the, the marrow of your bones are what give you life. This is like a promise that like you will be invigorated with just emotional, physical, and spiritual like 
light and life. And I think it's important too, um, as we attend the temple and as you start going more and more regularly, there are several lines within these three verses that are gonna bring up temple language for you, which is a really neat connection again to that just becoming a saint. And that this, um, all of these promises echo of promises that we are given specifically in temple language, and I love that. Yeah, even verse 19, wisdom and great treasures of knowledge, even hidden treasures, is really talking about um, temple. It's a, it's a prelude to, to temple, hidden treasures that will sh shall come. Run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Mm -hmm. I mean, that could be physical, but it's really talking about running the race of life and walking that yep. straight and, and narrow. And as you think about the destroying angel and you think about that help that's gonna come and the marrow that's gonna come, it's just neat that it's almost like pulling you back to, let me take you with my words to a place that is holy and help you see a bigger picture. Here. Yeah. And 21, I love that verse. If you know the Old Testament, y'all, we cannot wait to teach the Old Testament yes, next we're year. So we're dying excited. for it. And that's because you'll see right here, for example, all other scripture assumes that you know the Old Testament. And, and that's why, and there's just hints of it with no one telling you the story. And 21 yeah. is one of those, right? That's the story of the Passover. But what's happening is they were marking their doors with the blood of the lamb. And, and he's kind of helping you see like, I'm more interested in you being marked by the blood of the lamb and marked as modern day Israel. And if you know this story, what happens is once they leave, they go straight to Mount Sinai to enter the presence of God. So marking their doors was a prelude to entering the presence of God like section 89 is a prelude to entering into the presence of God as well. This section is more about don't drink iced tea, even though I want to on a hot summer day, right? <laughs> it's about uh, holiness and just sanctifying yourself yeah. to enter into his presence. Yep. Okay, so now we, we like, go to 92? Yeah, we're going to okay. move to 92. Don't worry, we're coming back to 90 and 91 in just a second. But we've already started to drop words like this because it's just on the mind. But 92, we talk about this man, Frederick G. Williams, who we've talked about last month. Remember we talked about him when we were at the John Johnson farm? Um, this counselor to Joseph Smith, uh, Freddie G., who we just love so <laughs> um, much. But there is a line about him, and Emily's going to point out to you, but before she does, just one thing with Kirtland that's really neat with him that we didn't talk about last time is um, he owned this big farm, and the Lord on, on a revelation asked mm -hmm. him if he would be willing to consecrate that land for a holy purpose and he does he just gives up his entire farm and that is where the temple currently is today and so it's so neat even in this these verses and context that he gives up his land yeah. so that so that everyone else can experience the glory and holiness of the temple it's so interesting that kirtland really becomes a time of that giving up do you notice that mm -hmm. everywhere um is that time of just great sacrifice in preparation of what's going to come and it's property that's being sacrificed and it's um what the tobacco that's being sacrificed it's the lord just saying here let me sanctify you let me make you cleaner in each of these areas through sacrifice so you will be ready oh you just reminded me of something when you said in giving up the tobacco that uh i can't remember uh, who it was that said it someone who said they were in this meeting when joseph gives this revelation to the school of the prophets he said 20 out of 21 of us used tobacco. 
And he said, in that meeting, all 20 of them threw their pipes into the fireplace. Oh, that's, that's so cute. I know. You want to go in and yeah. see the fireplace. Now we want to see the we fireplace. Um, okay, 92. Okay, so 92 is so short. There's only two verses. And in verse 2, there is the greatest line that says, um, And again, I say unto you, my servant, Frederick G. Williams, you shall be a lively member in this order. And inasmuch as you are faithful in keeping all former commandments, you shall be blessed forever. And we love that thought of a lively member. Like it just has so much energy in it. And in fact, we've talked about this before. Um, depending on how you live the gospel and how you enter into the gospel, it can either give you energy or it can exhaust you. Um, you like to use the word exhilarate. It yeah. can be exhilarating or exhausting. And we love that Frederick Williams was the type of member or the type of person who entered in and just became a lively member in the gospel. He just loved it. He loved what he was doing. Um, and we want to talk about as we go back into 90, what does it look like to be a lively member? How would the Lord describe something like that? So we have a couple different principles in here, among others that you'll find of what that looks like. The first one is in section 90, verse 1. And this is a revelation to Joseph Smith. And I just like that it starts like this. Thus saith the Lord, verily, verily, I say unto you, my son. Remember that phrase, my son, my servant, appears like over 90 times. Um, thy sins are forgiven thee according to thy petition. And uh, I just love to think that this is an answer to a previous prayer that Joseph has had for uh, a re repentance, that he's seeking for forgiveness again. Like it's awesome that the first vision starts with a with a prayer for forgiveness and that becomes a pattern through joseph's mm. life and one of the things that makes people lively members is that they repent often and feel forgiveness like i can't think of something more invigorating to me than turning back to the savior and just feeling his approval and like repentance is something that breathes life into people like that's why president nelson's been teaching so much it's not a dreaded phrase it's a turning back to jesus mm. to stand in his light and life again and just breathe like holiness i, I don't know it's just beautiful so to just think like well, a lively member is someone who repents all the time yeah that's so good um we love in four and five when it says nevertheless through you shall the oracles be given to another yea even the church and the oracles are the revelations that's another word for just the revelations and then um, you love in verse five when it says, and all they who receive the oracles of God or all they who receive the revelations of God, let them beware how they hold them, lest they are accounted as a light thing and are brought unto condemnation therefore, thereby and stumble and fall when the storms descend and the winds blow and the rains descend <laughs> and beat upon their house. And I just love the thought of that um, be careful how you hold those revelations, that they don't become a light thing to you. And I love that he tells us why, because when the storm comes, when the rains descend, that's when you're gonna need that revelation in your life. And it's made me think to myself, um, living in the time of President Nelson as the prophet has been so interesting for me in, in feeling like I am being tutored and how to receive revelation better. And I bet the same is true for you. That it just feels like he is continually saying, try this, and then now try this, and now try this. And not only is he telling us what to do, but 
I love when he's using words like, I plead with you, I exhort you, that he wants us to become better at revelation. He doesn't want us to hold that lightly, but that he wants us to understand the importance of it. And it makes me think to myself, do we have any idea of the storm that is about to come, of what we are about to face when we have a prophet that is being so careful about tutoring us in how to receive that revelation and to make sure we're not holding that lightly. And um, one of the thoughts we had as we talked about this is just to think back to the most recent general conference and what are the things from that conference that you are holding on to? right now? What are the things that your family is holding on to? Can you even remember anything from that conference that has been life-changing for you in this six-month period? Um, you know, at different times in my life, there are times when I think I would look back and say, I'd, I actually don't even know if I remember what happened at conference. And other times when I have been more invested in actually keeping up on those talks in the in-betweens and um, reading them. This time I set a goal to read one talk every week until conference starts again. And it has been the most powerful experience I've had probably in a decade is just rereading one talk every single week. And I think um, there's a lot of things that we can do that are good, but I love this reminder to hold on to that revelation, not to take it lightly because of the storms that are ahead. Yeah, and so we left you a little box there to think um, about how you might hold those, you know. As you were talking, I thought to myself about like, oh, what would it even look like for someone to hold something mm. like really carefully? And when I tried to imagine what would be inside my hands, it would be something really valuable, like a treasure or like something irreplaceable. Like yeah. that's like, you know, scary things mm -hmm. you hold timidly or want to drop. <laughs> yeah. Like things you love, you hold them really yeah. carefully. It's cool that's to think so true. like that. Um, these other verses we want to point out are like 15 through 18. Even though you and I won't set in order the churches, that might not be like our responsibility to do that. We like in 15 that he says, study and learn and become acquainted with all good books and with languages and tongues and, and people. Like that's what a lively member is like. And you love in 16. Are you going to read that um, yeah. part? Oh, oh, that, well, oh, 16. Yeah. This shall be the business. Oh, yeah. yeah. And this shall love be your business part. and the mission in all your lives. Don't you so just, love that? Just be learning all the time. Like, find joy in learning. Go to good books. And this should be your mission all of your life. Is to. And it's so fun that, like, Joseph took this to heart. And he learned German and then hired a Hebrew teacher. And he wanted to learn all yeah. of the languages that, that he could. So in fact, let's just give a, a little. We're not going to go into Section 91. But let's give, like, a um, just kind of a hint oh. at it. That this is when Joseph is working on the translation of the Bible and he gets to the Apocrypha, um, which we don't have in our standard works, but, but a lot did. of, yeah, yeah, because in his section of the Bible and he asked whether he should, you know, do an inspired translation of the Apocrypha. And in 91 um, verse five, the Lord says, oh, it's no need for you to do that because verse four, whoever reads it, let him understand because the spirit will manifest truth and whosoever is enlightened by the spirit shall find benefit therefrom. And it's just cool that he's just yeah. like, go to plays, read books, uh, study the scripture of other faiths, and let the Spirit guide and direct you in the things that you can benefit from all of those places. I think that is like yep. so, so neat. Good. 
We love um, in 24 where it says, search diligently, pray always, and be believing, and all things shall work together for your good. And it's awesome because right after he gives that verse, which we love, um, we just love that thought of if you'll just search, pray, and be believing, all things are going to work out for you. That's in essence what it says. I and did then that he, phrase, be believing, is oh, so Oh, it's so awesome. good. And, like it's a choice. And then you know? he um, introduces us to the cutest lady in this <laughs> whole set of chapters right now, whose name is Vienna Jakes. And um, let's just talk about her story okay, for yeah. a minute. Let's just talk about who she is, and then we'll come back and talk about what it says about her. Yeah, she was out from the East Coast, Boston area. And uh, when she comes across the Book of Mormon, it's funny that she says when she got it, that she didn't fully comprehend what she was reading. She just really liked it, you know? <laughs> I and love that part. How many of us have been Vienna? You did, yeah. And they called her Sister Vienna. You love that too. But she's just like, I want to call her Mama Vienna. How can okay. no one call her that? That's well, what I call can. her in heaven if I make <laughs> it. Um, but she talked about reading the book and as she said, it just illuminated my mind and I had to meet Joseph. So again, we've talked about this, that Book of Mormon becomes that gathering tool you know, for these people that you're just yeah. like, I'm so glad that brought you in. And you love that she pays her own way to get out there and just has to meet him before she'll commit to anything, which I think is so cute. And she's 43 years old, never married before, but runs these businesses at the mm -hmm. time. And she's just goes out and to meet the prophet Joseph and decides, uh, I'm in mm -hmm. and I, and I want to be here. Um, she convinces Oliver Cowdery. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Samuel Smith, Joseph's baby brother and Orson Hyde to come out with her. She's like, I got to introduce you two to my, to the rest of my family. And so they come back out to Boston and find out, um, they said, we found people who were already believing because of her witness to everybody before they even got there. And she fed them, housed them, and then set up this new branch in Boston area. Just like just <laughs> one so lady cute. by herself, which is so awesome. She ends up coming out to Kirtland. Um, and don't, she's really wealthy, and she just donates all of this money. Um, all of it. Like, she keeps back nothing. She gives everything and just trusts the church is going to take care of her. Yeah, and Joseph Smith said about her, she proved to be a savior of life for the church. Just this, just this transfusion of believing blood that came into the church, and she just brought, brought it alive again. So it's so Tell cool. Tell our favorite story about the horse. Oh, okay. She's going to be there all the way to the end. We'll just kind of talk to you about this section is when she gets asked to um, move to Missouri, um, which she will. But like you're just going to keep finding her along the whole path. Uh, she's going to be at Zion's camp. Uh, one of the few women who go on Zion's camp when they have to redeem Zion. Um, we'll talk about that in a, um, in a couple in like next week or something. Um, it's so hard to think of the timeline. Um, and she uh, also, when the doctrine of baptism for the dead is given, Vienna Jacks, everyone goes down to the river for this first baptism for the dead. And she loves it so much that she gets on her horse and she rides into the Mississippi River <laughs> to because she wants to be front row. So this is the kind of lively member that she is, you know, she's just so like, awesome. and P.S. who loves that the first witnesses of baptisms for the dead were women and a horse. So really you can have any kind of witnesses, it seems. Oh, that is so awesome. We love this last line um, that they say about her. At, well, let's talk about this. This is so awesome too. Um, before she crosses the plains to go to Utah, she marries, but then gets divorced. And so she, at the age of 60, drives her wagon all by herself across the plains. I mean, I'm sure she was in a 
a company. But she drove her own wagon at six years old across the plains to get to Utah, um, which I love just her grit, um, that she just was like in this gospel and she was gonna do it and live it even if she had to do it all by herself. Yeah, and, and in every station of life, you know, as a yeah. little bit older single woman, as a divorced woman, like in all these different areas. And yeah. you see this verse right here in 28 where it says, she's gotta go to, um, Zion, I love that the Lord calls her my handmaid. Mm. Um, my handmaid, Vienna Jakes, my servant, my, my close servant. Give her some money so she can make it to Zion. I'm sure that's a, a, a phrase she never thought she'd hear with all this money that she yeah. had, but it's just evidence that she gave it away and oh, she's so rad. You love in 31 when it hints of what they said about Frederick Williams in section 92 about being a lively member. The Lord tells her, um, that all these blessings will come in as much as she is faithful and not idle. Um, but she just, it doesn't sound like she was a woman who was ever idle, that she was just going. Um, and at the end of her life, it was said of her. Well, um, she said this, at the end of her life in Salt Lake, in her she 90s. Lived till, yeah, in her 90s. Yeah. She gathered a whole bunch of women together and she told them this advice. Never be afraid to do good. You will never be sorry. And that is such a beautiful thing to think about. That just like at the end of your life, when you look back on it, one of the things that you won't ever regret is your decision to just seek to do good. Oh, it's so that good. That just sums up what her life is like. We love the thought of all of these things here in Kirtland and this group of people who the Lord was raising up um, to be saints, um, to become the sons and daughters of God, just to become something all together and that these sections talk about what a saint should be or what a saint could be. And um, we've asked Jason Deere, who's here traveling with us on this tour, if he would share a song about that with you. So we're gonna um, go meet him over on the porch of the new of the K. New Whitney, Whitney store. store. Yeah, it's gonna be a good one. Okay, y'all, we'll see you next week.
This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.